Welcome to the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm Laura Deirda, an editor at Becker's Healthcare, and I'm thrilled to welcome Dr. Jim Stein, Chief Medical Officer of Children's Hospital Los Angeles. Dr. Stein, could you please tell us a little bit about your background? Thank you, Laura. Yes. Uh, my background is of a pediatric surgeon. I've been here at Children's LA for about 25 years, and it's been an interesting career coming out and spending my entire time here at uh, Children's Hospital Los Angeles. Uh, my focus uh, through my career clinically was in uh, general pediatric surgery, which comprised a lot of congenital anomalies and developed a real focus on oncology as well. One of the unique opportunities I've had throughout this is the opportunity to have separated five sets of conjoined twins. And during that process, uh, leading large teams, as you can imagine, uh, we had about 100 people uh, performing a procedure that took over 24 hours uh, on a couple different occasions. And it was really that that, that led me into an understanding of my own personal path, which was towards a leadership position, and took advantage of then going on and getting a master's uh, at the Harvard School of Public Health and pursuing what then became the chief quality officer role and eventually the inaugural role here uh, of chief medical officer. So it's been a lot of fun. Along the way, I had some time as a training director and uh, uh, acting division chief in pediatric surgery. So it's it's really been a fun ride for me. Well, fantastic. And we're really thrilled to have your expertise here. First off, what are you seeing right now with COVID-19 and how have your strategies evolved for mitigating it? I know in California, you know, cases have been spiking as of late. So I'd love to hear where things are at now and how your strategies have evolved. Sure. Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I don't remember a lot of dates in life. I think we all keep them in our phone these days and get little calendar reminders. But March 13th uh, of last year is pretty indelibly impressed in my mind. And a, a date I will always remember is the date we opened our command center here at Children's Hospital Los Angeles. What we were able to do within 48 hours was open up a drive-through testing. Uh, and the reason for that is because we had planned in advance, and our lab had begun developing the assay for COVID, a PCR assay, back in January, so a year ago now, practically. So we were ready to have that up and running within really a couple days uh, with the drive-through testing and then establishing the command center. And what we've noticed throughout the entire process is the need to engage all our stakeholders. And by having a command center process in which we could independently engage all the work areas as question came up and adapt our policies on a continuing and agile fashion, we were able to continually adapt. And I think that's been what I think every organization has come to understand uh, and what we continue to emphasize, which is that the only thing that we are sure of is that it is likely what we are suggesting today may change tomorrow or next week. Uh, it's been such a dynamic situation and to be able to move through that and have a process where you can adapt quickly and make rapid adjustments has served us really well. And I think the other big thing throughout the process was to really communicate with all our work areas, all our team members, and all our faculty. And with continuous communication, that's one of the things that we've heard back 
both within our organization and from other organizations that it's uh, that hearing about our communication strategy has been immense. I think what's really stood out more recently, obviously, is that we've been able to stand up our our vaccination process, and uh, we've now we're now in a position where our staff all make online appointments. Uh, we are able to put through about 500 uh, vaccinations a day, running about 12, 12 hours a day with seven stations. And that's worked really almost seamlessly with our, our team members and our faculty. The one limitation now is that uh, we are waiting on our next shipment of, of vaccine. And so we have an, while we have enough to get through the beginning of next week and continue vaccinating, we are dependent on our next shipment. And, and I think what we've all found is that that process really, uh, while working okay, doesn't give us a lot of heads up. And so everybody's uh, often scrambling a little bit in the end because you're finding out about a day before, two days before that you'll be getting your next shipment of vaccine. That said, it's really exciting to watch all of our team members as they are able to get vaccinated. We sent out a survey and unlike what we've heard in the news from other places, 99% of our physicians all wanted to go ahead with vaccination and 85% of our entire enterprise wanted to be vaccinated. And so that's a real solid uptake and interest in vaccination. And we're continuing to run webinars and sessions to educate everybody for those who haven't yet made up our mind or who need additional information to make sure that we're focusing on them and getting all their questions answered so they can make the right decision for themselves. Absolutely. And it sounds like you've got some fantastic processes in place to be able to disseminate that information and strategies to vaccinate as much as possible. Dr. Stein, what are your priorities for the coming year and how do you see them changing? Yeah, obviously we're going to have to have to kind of get through the pandemic. So that's going to continue to be a priority. But I think as a piece of that, uh, one is going to really be making sure we get all our kids and families in for the care they need. I think we've heard about the fact that people are putting off care and we're keenly aware of that. Telehealth has made it a much greater opportunity for us to really reach out and get in touch with families and, and make sure they're getting the care they're needed. And we're actually updating our platform in the coming weeks to make sure it's even easier to use and provides a better user interface. So I think telehealth and getting kids in for the care they need is going to be essential. Uh, we're continuing to do some of the health equity work that really has taken a front line and front seat in the work that we're looking at in the upcoming years, making sure that we are looking at things through a health equity lens to an even greater extent than we have as a, uh, as a Medicaid hospital uh, for, so many, for so many people. I think internally, uh, we have our strategic plan and, and that really focuses on continuing to grow our business uh, and make sure that all our community and surrounding communities in the region and nationally and beyond have access to the incredible services we have to offer. Uh, we want to continue to build a lot of the programs that we have and develop new programs. And then a big piece that I think every organization is going through is costs become more significant and quality of care becomes more important is to continue to optimize. And that's going to be focused on improvement projects, value-based projects, cost reduction projects. And uh, then lastly, 
I think really reaching out to impress. And that's really focused on making sure that our workforce, that our patients, that all the people involved in the care of children really understand that Children's Hospital Los Angeles is the place to come. And so uh, that's what we're looking forward to in the next year and the year to follow. And we're excited to be embarking on that journey. Now, beyond COVID-19, could you tell us a little bit more about Children's Hospital Los Angeles and a few other points of pride? Yes, certainly. Uh, those are easy, and, and narrowing it down to a few will be a challenge. Uh, but I think one of the things, and I bring this up not because it's the be-all, end-all, but uh, being a top five U.S. News & World Report Children's Hospital is a real source of pride for us. And it's a particular source of pride as we are also the only one in the top 10 that is a safety net hospital. Caring for uh, about a 75% Medicaid population in a state that has relatively low reimbursement rates reflects on an incredible capacity by all of our team members and faculty to provide the highest level of care with oftentimes some limited resources. And what you notice when you walk in is that pride and 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 you feel it on a day-to-day -day basis and we see it. And while we're obviously proud of our position, US News and World Report, what we use it for is really to focus on, on quality and safety metrics. And we are able to drive and anticipate and look towards all those opportunities of improvement. And those are what I think uh, we really focus on as we look at how we position ourselves for U.S. News and Report. Within that, we've got uh, four programs in the top five, our oncology program, our cardiology and heart center program, our orthopedic program, and our neonatal program. And so obviously we're in, incredibly proud of all of them. I have my own personal love of oncology and, and remain active in that on a clinical level. And uh, so I think all those areas are are really just flagship of of programs that are successful because of the input of all the other areas within the organization. While those get called out, no one could be successful without the input of all the other uh, divisions within the hospital and whether or not that is a general pediatric service or whether that is an Im the, our immunology and allergy service or our ID service, all those contribute so much to the success of the organization as a whole. I think, and you know, what's been really exciting uh, for me this past year is really as a physician leader. The COVID response has lent itself to, to physician leaders being able to stand up and, and really provide what I think is, is a balanced approach, understanding the stresses and fears of, of our staff and faculty, having to mitigate some of our costs, knowing that uh, volumes are down, and, and then being able to communicate that to our staff and our faculty who then unfortunately have to respond, whether that's with flexing their time or uh, reducing costs in other ways. And so that's been an, an, a unique part while obviously maintaining the quality and safety aspects. So it's been a really interesting, going on a year now, uh, position to be in as a physician leader. 
as a senior vice president in a large organization like Children's Hospital Los Angeles. Absolutely. I can imagine things are kind of constantly changing and it takes a lot of leadership in order to, you know, respond to those changes. Um, and, and speaking of that, I was wondering if you could share three pieces of advice that you would give to emerging leaders today. Yeah, it, it, it's an interesting conversation because we clearly have an evolving workforce. Uh, and so I think the first thing is to understand it. Uh, what we've begun to do within our executive team is we've actually moved towards reverse mentoring, where we're taking advantage of some of our more junior up-and-coming leaders to mentor us and give us an understanding of, of what the gener generational gaps have really done to impact the thought process of our workforce. And so I think we are all really enjoying that and becoming better leaders because of it. I think we need to support our workforce. These are challenging times. I think we know and we all read about the burnout that exists throughout healthcare and other industries as well, but it's particularly pronounced in healthcare and how we begin to address that. It's obviously a challenge. Uh, a pandemic doesn't make it any easier, but I think that is a, an essential piece to be able to support and understand our workforce. Part of getting there is to engage the workforce and, and make sure that people understand that their voices are being heard, to engage them in discussions. And while leadership does require leading in the end, it is a matter of making people feel and understand that they are engaged in the process of making the organization a better place. So I think engagement is a key entity. And then what we found through COVID really is, uh, is agility. And I think at times healthcare organizations have maybe been a little less agile in their ability to change and adapt. And what we have really spent time doing and what I'd suggest people continue to do is hold on to a little bit of that agile nimbleness that COVID has caused. That we continue to think about how we communicate that change has value, that change can be good, that it's not permanent, that it's an opportunity. And it's that opportunity that allows us to get better, faster, and if we need to, change again. And, and so that's a big communication piece, I think, that, that leaders need to carry on. And particularly now and probably moving forward, I think compassion. Uh, leaders now have to really develop their own internal skills for providing compassion and understanding for the workforce, who is obviously very stretched, uh, stretched, stressed and stretched. And uh, one of the ways of getting there is to continue to instill those principles of high reliability. And while we continue to have sensitivity to operations, really understanding that deference to expertise and looking through the organization to make sure we are engaging all the best stakeholders we can to make ourselves a better organization and better leaders. Wow, that's a lot of great points you have there, Dr. Stein, from understanding how the evolving workforce is, is changing and the reverse mentoring to supporting the workforce through burnout and the pandemic and, and making sure people are agile, organizations are agile, and then leaders are compassionate. So I think that is all great advice for emerging leaders today. 
Thank you so much for your time. This has been a great discussion, and we look forward to speaking with you again in the future. Thank you, Laura.